For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a Social Media Examiner production. I'm Eric Fisher. My co-host is Grace Duffy, and this is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We bring you expert opinions about the relevant social media news and how it impacts you. On today's show, we will explore where Facebook and Twitter are heading based on signals from this week's Q1 2019 earnings calls. And our special guest this week is none other than Michael Stelzner. Before we get into the meat of the show, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by the Social Media Marketing Society. And you can find out more at socialmediasociety.info. The society provides you with that confidence as a marketer so you can succeed in whatever marketing job it is you have. There's thousands of peers in the society that you can Uh, network with, collaborate with, receive ongoing training with them. You're supported by professionals and you have access to that community of supporting marketers. And they understand that like so many struggles, marketing, the struggle is real. (laughs) So again, go to socialmediasociety.info to find out more. And with that, let's get started Our guest, like I said earlier, is Michael Stelzner. He's the CEO and founder of Social Media Examiner and the host of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Mike, welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. Thank you so much for having me. So we've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, We're going to hit some of the highlights, hit some of the uh, perspectives, obviously, that come from those highlights. Uh, First up, we'll talk about Twitter because there's a little less there. There's a whole lot of Facebook news, which is surprising because there's going to be a whole lot more Facebook news next week. We'll talk about that later. But uh, Twitter came out with its Q1 2019 earnings report, and they had a call about this. And there was a lot of things in there. And one of the things was that Twitter's growth not only growth, but financial stability was there. It was it was profound, in fact, in a lot of ways. They they earned more than anybody expected them to. They uh, their earnings per share went from uh, an expected fifteen cents up to thirty seven cents, which is more than double. And their revenue was uh, seven hundred eighty seven million. Let's remember this. Let's pause for a second. And remember this. Twitter's actually making money now. Remember when they weren't. That was a huge deal as to why we were concerned with Twitter. They are now making money. They made $787 million versus the $776 million expected. And then they talked about monthly active users, which are now $330 million versus the $318 million that was expected. Now, that's not to say that even though with all that growth, there weren't some setbacks over the course of this last year. But things are looking pretty good right now. So hold on a second, just so we're clear. So there's 330 million people using um, Twitter monthly in the first quarter. 
Um, but I guess the key point here is that is a drop, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And it's a drop of like 6 million users compared to the same period a year ago. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Although the one thing that we can say is that there was actually more of a drop within that year and they've made up for some of that because they're up 9 million from last quarter. So it's kind of three steps back and two steps forward. Does that make right. sense? Like it's, it's right. still 3 million down from where it was, but like 9 million. So I don't know. It feels like Twitter's on a roll in terms of financial stuff and they're making lots of changes. They're trying to, as we'll get into it later, uh, really accommodate to make the conversations on Twitter, the main thing. And they're getting rid of bots. I have to, you know, think that some of the monthly active users is they got rid of so many bots and spam accounts over this past year. I they don't tell us this, but I wonder how that factors into that number. Yeah, it could be. Absolutely. I mean, like the rea the reality is that they did grow nine million, if I'm not mistaken, right over the last quarter, which is which is if I'm doing my math, five um, percent. Is that probably, right? Yeah, it's probably pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably less than 5%. It, it may be a little bit less, but yeah. Yeah, 10% would be 330 million. They're growing a little bit, but they're not growing as much. And I think we're seeing this flattening out across most of the social platforms, to be honest with you. We're yeah, just that's not, true. Outside of Instagram, you know, we're just not seeing Twitter and Facebook experiencing much of any growth at all. So I think that's right. kind of fascinating. Yeah. And I think the, and the other thing in the chat um, that we're seeing is, um, you know, some people are saying they've unfollowed accounts that have been passive for over a year. And that's something you have to consider. There are Twitter accounts out there that just aren't tweeting. Right. Although that doesn't necessarily mean they're not logging in and looking at tweets. They're right. just not entering into the conversation. So. Right. Yeah. So, um, um, one of my questions, and I know I might be getting ahead of you a little bit, yeah. here, but, but folks, um, when there are earnings calls, many of you might think, well, why does that matter to me if I'm not an investor? Because I personally am not an investor in any of these platforms. The reason it matters is because in the earnings calls, they do what they call forward-looking projections, and they talk about where the company is heading for the shareholders. And really, some of the best meat comes out of the Q&A, because during the Q&A session, there are major analysts that ask very specific questions. And what's exciting about the rest of today is we're going to talk about some of the stuff that came up during that, because I don't think a lot of you really give a hoot about how much money they're making. I think what we really care about is like, what is this going to mean for marketers in the future? So, um, Eric, I know you've, you've got some cool stuff yeah. that you found. So talk to us about some of that. Yeah, I mean, we as marketers should really be caring more about the health of the and the marketing opportunities that will prevent, present themselves on that platform. And to that regard, they have said that their top priority is to help people find, one, credible information, but two, feel safe participating in the conversations happening on Twitter. And then they even reiterate that conversation is Twitter's superpower. And I think that's what we heard all throughout social media marketing world, right? Is that it's the it's the conversations, it's the interaction, it's the dialogue that we've always, or I should say, we used to have and then have brought back on Twitter, right? And look, I've got some thoughts on this. I've been thinking about this lately. Do you guys, do you guys remember there was a time where there was a gal on an airplane that said something and then the whole Twitter sphere blew up and then she got fired by the time she landed? I don't yes. remember specifics about what she said. I do remember that. There was an era where you could accidentally say something wrong on Twitter and or on Facebook and the world would explode and attack you, right? Um, and sometimes for righteous reasons and sometimes 
for misunderstanding. And I'm, we're now in an era where you don't hear about that anymore. You really just don't hear about that anymore. And I think what Twitter is trying to do when they say they're trying to make a safe place for conversation is they want to encourage people that you can have an open dialogue on this platform and not get attacked and not be scared. Because if the world and the press talks about how Twitter is where people say stupid things and get fired from their job, then no one's going to want to go out and use Twitter. But if Twitter is a place where you can have a conversation, a meaningful conversation, more people will use Twitter, more opportunities for those of us that are marketers. And I think that's what's behind this desire for them to try to say it's about conversation. This is very much in line with what Mark Zuckerberg said back in January of 2018 when he said Facebook was about meaningful social interaction. We're seeing Twitter mirroring that right here. Yeah, the meaningful social interactions. And that's what they're, that's what, again, they said their top priority. So if, if you've not heard nothing else so far, hear that Twitter itself says their top priority is making it easier to participate in conversations on Twitter. And we know that one of the ways that they're doing that is through their, their I, I don't even know what the proper way to uh, pronounce it is, but it's their beta Twitter without the vowels, T-W-T-T-R prototype right. app. And they're saying, and that, you know, ultimately what, uh, what Jack has said is that uh, people that have been testing that prototype app prefer it over the main Twitter app. And that's surprising and also promising in a lot of ways. It says that the things that they're doing inside that prototype app in terms of making threads easy to see, making comments easier to jump back into and get into the conversation and navigate the conversation so much more um, streamlined, more powerful because of the streamlining is, right. is a great, strong signal. And they've also updated their reporting tools. I mean, every every week there's a they've streamlined and made it easier to report things, even whether it's a misunderstanding or not, and to be able to say, "Oh, I didn't mean it that way or this way," or and they're taking swifter action when it comes to things that really do violate community standards. So we are seeing a lot of that as well. Yeah, that's true. That goes back to what you were saying, Mike. Is if you know people aren't going to use it if they don't feel that it's a safe platform to not, you know, if you say something stupid by accident, then get fired. So. Or if you uh, don't say something stupid and you're like, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> Eric, uh, was there any other little nuggets that you caught uh, when you were studying the uh, the earnings report that we should talk about? I think the, there's one other really key piece that is interesting to me, and it comes down to uh, something else that Jack, the CEO, yeah, uh, he said that they want to make it easy to follow an interest or an event as easy as it is to follow an account. And they want to remove the work that it takes to do so. And and what that says to me is they want to make this like being able to follow specific topics like we can follow hashtags on Instagram. They want to make it to where this is your go-to, not just for conversation, but for information and it's quick and easy to access. Now, this is very important for marketers to pay attention to. When he says we want to make it easy for people to follow interests. What he's saying is it's not about following necessarily people anymore. It's about following topics. It's about following conversations. It's about breaking news. Um, and I think this is going to be a very important play for marketers to wrap their brains around because if it's not about getting Twitter followers, but instead it's about getting your message into the interest conversation in the same way that happens on Instagram with hashtags. Um, that's going to be a total transformational shift for the way people use Twitter, complete transformational yeah. shift. And um, 
it's almost like what it was with trending news on Facebook, right? You remember when we had, they had that trending news category and they would aggregate all the top articles. So I think this is going to be maybe an interesting opportunity for marketers to pay attention to, and we'll see what that evolves into. But I think that's the biggest nugget that came out of that. Yeah. It, it sounds like a really cool, accessible tweak to the Twitter algorithm because they say they want to make it easy for tweets like individual tweets, as well as accounts, moments, URLs, anything that is part of that interest to be easily fed to you if you're interested in it. So, and just imagine if they had interest groups. Hat tip, yeah, to yeah. in this, right? Uh, what's stopping Twitter from having interest groups, right, and having private groups for dialogue? Absolutely nothing. So, I think that we're going to start to see the. The face of a faceification of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The faceification <laughs> of Twitter. Yeah. I love that. I, and I've said this for years. They're all melding together and they're becoming more and more alike. And I think it's about time Twitter grows up and becomes a little more like Facebook. Yeah, Jen, <laughs> Jen, Jen just called it Twitter face. So Twitter face. Either, either way, whatever. Ification uh, is on top of anything always means that it's transforming into that. So let's transform our conversation over into Facebook's Q1 call. Yeah. This. There's so much here. There's so much here. Um, yep. And by the way, I, again, I want to make the disclaimer. It's interesting we're getting all this information right now because next week is F8, Facebook's developer conference. And we're going to hear, as we usually do, a lot more out of Facebook next week. In fact, next week's show, we've already got Mari Smith coming on to talk to us and with us about all of it that's coming out. We're going to be dissecting it all week. So come back again next week. And then, and then the week after that, I'm going to be yeah. talking about the industry data. Did we already <laughs> yes. mention it or we did. We haven't, but we are now. So again, the let's next talk two, about that. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna be. We'll remind you at the end of the show. But uh, first off, let's get into this Facebook stuff. Uh, first up, th- one of the key things here is mobile is a huge deal. We already knew that, but uh, they're ninety three percent of Facebook's revenue came from mobile, and that's up two percent from ninety one percent a year ago. So still, that's a big, that's a big deal. Let's talk about this for yeah. a second. Um, Almost all of their revenue is coming off of the mobile app. And almost all users are only utilizing Facebook mobile. And this is hard for us that sit at a desk all day and our job is to work on Facebook. We can't imagine that that's not possible. But the reality of it is that desktop um, advertising really is not what it's all about, especially, you know, like I said, with ads and why sometimes it can be cheaper maybe to advertise to the desktop. The reality is that it's all about mobile and it's all about mobile. It's all about mobile. And if we think about that, we need to be asking ourselves, okay, whatever we're advertising on Facebook is not optimized for mobile purchasing. We got a problem, right? So if we're selling something complex that someone will not buy on their small little smartphone in their hands, then we need to get really strategic about how in the world we're going to utilize our Facebook advertising considering how competitive of a space it's become. Right. Yeah. Uh, Grace, you had an interesting way of putting this next bullet point here, which has to do with uh, the top 100 advertisers represented. Uh, sorry, the top 100 top 100 advertisers are representing less than 20 percent of the total ad revenue, meaning that the advertiser base is becoming more diversified. I think right. you had something else there that that I can't remember what, what it was you said, but it was important. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started Do you off remember? Being, yes. <laughs> well, first of all, it started off with me being a dairy and a Dairy Queen this week, which I don't even want to get into That's that. That's what it was. But I was at a Dairy Queen this week and I was waiting for something and they had a TV on and there was a local ad and it kind of dawned on me. 
it was a, a re- restaurant down the street or whatever. And it had dawned on me that it had been so long since I'd seen a local ad on TV. And it's because a lot of these local ads are be are going over to Facebook now, right? So you've got your top 100 advertisers, and I'm sure you can imagine what that is, you know, the bigger companies like the Disneys or whatever, right? And they're only 20% of the advertising, which means that what you have is 80% of smaller or medium size or local businesses doing more of their advertising. So if you're not already on there as a local or a smaller or medium, even medium sized company, you need to be on there now. So to give you some perspective, that's what it said to me. To give you some perspective, there are about, if I'm not mistaken, six million uh, advertisers that advertise actively on Facebook. Six million businesses. So 100 of those represent 20 percent of the revenue. So the remaining 80 percent is distributed amongst nearly six million people, uh, six million businesses. So it's a lot of small businesses that are basically really powering everything that is Facebook. And that should encourage many of you that are listening right now that are small businesses and say, I can't afford to advertise on Facebook because I'm not a big business. The reality is it's the small guys that are making Mark Zuckerberg rich. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This next piece of information says that the average price of a Facebook ad decreased by 4%. So that meant that uh, the ability to, you know, in other words, if the prices are lower, more people are going to jump on it and do more. One of the other things I want to throw out there, though, is that the impressions across all of Facebook's properties. So we're talking Instagram in in feed as well as in stories, Facebook proper news feed as well as in stories. Um, And you know, everywhere, basically all Facebook properties that their uh, impressions, ad impressions were increased by 32%. Right. And we had a question from, we had a question from Tim that said, how many of those 6 million advertise are successful on Facebook? And there you have your answer is that, you know, the price of to advertise has gone down, but the number of impressions has gone up about eight times. If I'm doing my math correctly. Let's walk through what's going on here. Um, Yeah. First of all, a couple of years ago, the, the, the then CFO of Facebook said, we're running out of real estate on Facebook.com and we need to diversify. And that's why you're seeing ads now in Messenger. And that's why you're seeing ads now all over Instagram and possibly even in WhatsApp. I don't know because I'm not active on that particular platform. Um, and the reality is that they're, they have diversified. They're eventually going to become, our ads are going to become into groups. You know, they're going to become into all these different kinds of applications that are either within the Facebook app or within the Facebook ecosystem. However, the reason why there is been more impressions is one thing and one thing only. And we can talk about that now if you want. It's stories. And I want to go on a little rant for a second because I feel like this is very, very important. Folks, you need to really listen to what Mark Zuckerberg and his staff say, because what they say is very carefully prepared inside of boardrooms and it's very carefully nuanced. But what they have been using is the phrase Facebook and Instagram, Facebook and Instagram, Facebook and Instagram, Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Facebook is not as doing as well as it used to do. So now they're, they're, they have to combine the power of Instagram All of their growth has come through Instagram. And I'm going to read a couple of quotes from you. Uh, I've got it all written down right here. This is from Dave uh, Wainer, who is their CFO. He said, quote, we are seeing more of our impression growth coming from stories. It was the largest contributor of year-over-year impression growth for the quarter. 
stories. Okay. Now, when you start wrapping your brain around stories, you have to understand it's a really big number. Do you have some of those numbers in front of you, Eric, as far as the total story impressions? Yeah, the um, total. The users, I mean. The users, uh, let's see here. I know I've got it here somewhere. I've got stories. the, yeah, for I, stories I, I specifically. Have memorized. So there's a half a billion on Instagram, a half a billion on Facebook, and then I think another 300,000 on Messenger. Is it 1.3 or 1.7? Do you have that number handy, Eric? You may not, but it's not handy. It's here somewhere though. Yes. So it's around 1.3 billion. Okay. People consuming stories, 500 million daily active consumption of stories on Instagram, 500 million daily active consumptions of stories on Facebook. That's a huge jump from last time we reported it, Eric. Yeah. And I'm guessing two to 300 million consumption on messenger and they might be combining WhatsApp in there as well. I'm not exactly sure, but it's well over a billion people consuming stories. Now, you have to wrap your brain around this a little bit. I'm going to read a couple of more quotes. This one is from Mark Zuckerberg, and I've also got a quote from um, uh, Sheryl Sandberg. Mark Zuckerberg said, quote, about stories. We're continuing to see fast adoption of stories with each of our three stories experiences, Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp having more than half a billion daily actives. There you go. So all four of these, okay? Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp each have at least more than one half of a billion people daily watching stories, okay? That's crazy. Then Sheryl Sandberg said, quote, um, last month, we oh, oh, actually, here's this is the crazy part. She said, quote, some of the things we learned is that consumers move to new features, to new products, to new places before marketers. And it's really up to us, Facebook, quote, to help marketers move there quickly. So we need to convince marketers that people are using stories. Did you all hear what I just said? Yeah. Yep. Marketers aren't using stories. Consumers are using stories. And then she goes on to say, last month we introduced interactive story ads. Did we cover this on the story? Oh, no, last, yes, yes, we did cover we our did story ads. Yes, last yeah. month, we introduced interactive story ads globally on Instagram. People and businesses already use interactive features to start conversations in their stories, and now advertisers can use polling stickers to stand out and drive results. The Dunkin' uh, Donuts promoted its donut fries with an interactive poll sticker in their story ads. More than one in five people who saw the ad voted, which generated an increased engagement and drove 20% lower cost per video view. Okay, let's dissect this a little bit because this is really a big deal. Facebook is telling us in the earnings call, and this is why I said you need to pay attention to the earnings calls. Um, hey, half a billion people over here, over here, over here, and over here are consuming stories and marketers aren't there yet. That's why the average impressions and consumptions have gone up. And that's also why the advertising costs are lower because Mark Zuckerberg has said multiple times that they cannot generate the same kind of revenue with a story ad that they can with other kinds of ads. Why is that? Because the story ad doesn't have much, you can't do much with it, right? You can't, you can't like put text in there. <laughs> it's either a graphic or if it's, or it's a video, right? So, um, but the reality is the message that I think all of us listening right now need to wrap our brain around here is that Facebook is telling us there is a huge consumption of Instagram stories. And whether you choose to be one of those advertisers or not, you all need to be creating Instagram stories. You're not 
creating Instagram stories for your business. I know you're not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to reveal some of that data in a couple of weeks when I come back on the show to reveal the 11th annual social media marketing industry study data. You're not doing enough on stories. Facebook thinks you're not doing enough on stories. This is a big, big opportunity. I want to know what you, Eric and Grace, think about this and what some of the people will think about this. Uh, that yeah. So we posted some of this data earlier this week in a Facebook uh, post on our page, and we got a lot of great comments. One of them, uh, Ulysses Baltazar said uh, that that stories is a quick way to get context, uh, pics, and short form video quickly. He said, but with that speed comes a little bit of a lack of attention. He said, making the creation of content much more challenging to get audiences' attention fast, but this is where the separation of good versus bad marketers comes into play. So we're not going to say it's not challenging, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. I really well, love that and, quote. And let me say, what is impossible these days to get exposure in the newsfeed, right? This is something that is possible. So for all of you marketers that are struggling right now saying, my social media isn't working it's because you're not doing the stuff that is working right now, which is stories, stories, stories. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg said literally in the second paragraph of the opening of the earnings call about stories. That's how important they believe this is. They've been banging this drum, but marketers are not paying attention to it. One other number that they had given us, uh, which in context to the 6 million total advertisers across Instagram, Facebook, and Messenger – uh, sorry, across all of Facebook, is that 3 million, half those advertisers are doing stories ads on Instagram, Facebook, and Messenger, which means there's so many people not doing anything in that space. But, but let's talk about this. I mean, if you're a numbers person like I am, that sounds like half of marketers that are advertising are using Instagram stories. But what it really means to me is that they're just using automatic placements. They're just right. letting it go to all channels, right? I really doubt... 3 million marketers are actively creating original content for the stories platform. As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that that's not true. But the reality is that that, that content, when you advertise, automatically gets placed on all those channels by automatic placement. So I think that's honestly Facebook's way of jerry-rigging the numbers. Yeah. Uh, Tim Valentine here in the live chat says, I started creating Instagram stories for a restaurant client recently, and the owner said she's noticed a bump in sales for the item promoted. So he agrees. Stories are powerful. Yeah. And look, it, there's not a lot of influencers out there right now that are teaching how to um, really create stories ads. It's just not a focus. Um, and if you are an, an influencer listening right now, I'm here to tell you that I think um, you could go places with this because most people that have been entrenched and been teaching for a long time about advertising on Facebook are teaching, you know, the newsfeed stuff. They're not really thinking about creating vertical content. They're not really thinking about how the call to action needs to be different. Not really thinking about how you have a very short period of time of 15 seconds and how you can best leverage that. So I just think there's an incredible opportunity here that we as an industry are behind the eight ball on. Yeah, I, I can say this. I, I said this often, but I'm not a person who buys a lot of things online, especially mobile. However, Instagram stories somehow gets me. I have made purchases through Instagram stories before. And so, you know, they, they get me, they got me. It's cool. powerful. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Grace, did you have any thoughts on that topic? Well, we are going to get into this a little bit later, but they are introducing new tools and new stickers and new things to help brands uh, generate more engagement and 
interactive interactivity That's within true. stories. So yeah, yeah. I think we'll they are furthering. Yeah, we'll bring that up later. But they are furthering their investment into it. And I think some of those things need to start going over to Facebook, I think, before people are really going to get it. Because you're right, Instagram has it. I mean, Instagram hit that half billion in January and the other three caught up this last quarter. So. Right. All right. So let's see. There's some other things. Let's move on from stories here real quick. Um, there's a lot of stuff that Mark Zuckerberg himself said uh, in terms of in that call as well as separately in a Facebook post. One of the things I want to hone in on here is that he really said – he honed in and said that uh, for the last 15 years – and again, here he goes again saying Facebook and Instagram. He says Facebook and Instagram have become the digital equivalent of the town square. That's where you go and do all these different things where you interact with people. You uh, meet your friends. You meet new people. You can shop, you can sell things, you can fundraise, all those kinds of things. But he says one of the things that people are wanting more of is intimacy when it comes to connection, specifically connecting privately. So not only are they going to continue doing the town, the digital town square of Facebook and Instagram, but they are going to start doing the digital living room and they are going to continue to uh, build on the platform focusing on privacy. When it comes to that, they listed off a few different things. Privacy in interactions, encryption, reducing permanence. Again, there's story implications right there. And safety and even interoperability, which means cross-platform connectivity, which we've talked about here when they've talked about building up uh, that back-end cross-platform connection with Facebook DMs, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, etc., so, so um, we should talk there. about this a little bit. Um, first of all, they said that uh, this, this concept of this digital living room, right, that they're referring to, which is not just – when you say living room, it implies more than just one-on-one conversations. It sounds like they're trying to create private, small group, interactive kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, they also said, quote, Mark Zuckerberg said people want additional tools for private interactions like payments and commerce. So it'll be interesting to see how Facebook develops out tools that allow people to sell products. Imagine the equivalent of getting a bunch of people into your digital living room and showing off a product and selling it to them, right? This is what people do in their neighborhoods, right? When they pull people over and they sell their essential oils or their Tupperware in the olden (laughs) days. Yeah, or the the pampered chef parties. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, This is something that it sounds like is coming. Um, in addition, uh, Mark Zuckerberg confessed that in America, they are not the leading uh, chat platform. Apple is with iMessage. Uh, in China, they are not the leading platform. And in Europe, they are not the leading platform. So one of the risks that they said to their future is that if they invest heavily in this private interaction, will people or will people not utilize the platform? Now, one of the things that I think of as a marketer is what could this mean advertising wise? And I think if we look to messenger, that's going to be our hat tip, right? So when you load up messenger, you see ads, those ads don't show up in your private conversations, but they show up as you walk through the messenger door into those private conversations. Same thing in Skype, right? You'll load up Skype and you might see an ad inside of Skype. It's not as often as it happens, but they figure if they can get people regularly utilizing the platform, they can insert an ad either before or after the private engagement. And I think that's how they're going to try to monetize things down the road. 
Um, what are your thoughts on that, Eric? Yeah, I mean this this is one of those things where uh, uh, when you said that moving when you're when you're going from conversation to conversation inside of Messenger, I think of that list of all the conversations is kind of like the hallway if we're going to go metaphorical mm-hmm. with the house here. So it's kind of like where all the ads are as you walk through it in the hallway uh, between going switching between conversations, pro, you know, one to one or group conversations and. I don't mind that so much. I definitely don't like that if I'm in a one-on-one conversation that I see an ad pop up. But in the hallway, that's not so bad, especially if Facebook knows a lot about me and knows which ads to serve to me. I don't have as big of an issue there. Right. Yeah. And I I mean, the ads I see in Messenger tend to be between the conversations, not within the conversation. So that's an adjustment I think they're making. And I also wanted to add, as the suburban mom, on this conversation, I will have you know that the digital Tupperware party has come. So (laughs) it is here, it is alive and well. And I think that uh, as far as marketing with with groups and they don't really say, spell it out specifically in here, but I think when they say community or when they say uh, more privacy in that living room, I think they're talking about groups. And I mean, they've put a lot of emphasis into communities indefinitely. And I think it makes more sense when you're advertising uh, within a group because the groups tend to gather around a specific, like you said, topic, right? Or like, you know, like what Twitter's going towards, like conversations around a specific topic. And we're getting more and more of that. And I think that allows you to specialize, especially if you're local or around a certain group or a certain product or a certain interest. I, I want to talk about this concept that came up called reducing permanence. Yeah. Um, uh, this is from Mark Zuckerberg. He said, quote, you shouldn't have to worry about what you share coming back to hurt you later. So we won't keep around messages or stories for longer than necessary. Now, he was saying this in the context of the digital living room, but we're already beginning to see, see this reducing of permanence everywhere on Facebook. Like, for example, recently I went to our Facebook page and remember there used to be a thing called the timeline, Eric, and you could go back in time and find stuff. Right. Well, it's not easy to find things anymore now that you posted on your page in the past. It's almost impossible. So I think that the way Facebook was originally designed, especially for the personal profile, which was the documenting of your life, I think that's going to change. And I think this reducing permanence is going to be the new mantra for Facebook because they got a taste of the stories thing that they stole from uh, Snapchat. And they realized that there is something to reducing permanence, the scarcity principle, right? The idea that if I don't watch the story, I will never see the story again is a very powerful, sticky way to bring people back into the platform. So we may see this in permeate into everything that is on the Facebook platform that after 24 hours, it is gone. And if that happens, that's going to fundamentally shift the way we have to use the platform, right? Because the idea of posting stuff on our wall now with links back to our website will essentially be dead because there will be no permanence to it. There'll be no reason to do it. So we're going to have to figure out new ways. And I think this is a very important signal that we need to pay attention to into the coming months, which is what does this reducing permanence really mean? And what does Mark Zuckerberg mean when he says you shouldn't have to worry about what you share coming back to hurt you later, right? Um, I don't think he's just talking about political stuff. I think he's talking about everything. And I think this is also a way that Facebook is is going to try to um, uh, appease regulators by not being responsible for stuff because they're going to wipe it off. Um, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I think this is the world we're heading into. I'm honing in on where he says, keep messages. We won't keep messages or stories for longer than necessary. And I'm wondering what he means by longer than necessary. Is it 
Is it that 24-hour rule where a story or a snap or whatever, you know, that, that they typically disappear after 24 hours? Or does it mean once that's gone for 24 hours, we don't even, as Facebook, we don't even have a copy of it? And I think that's what he's saying, but it's not, right. it's not entirely specifically clear there, so... I don't know. Um, let's see what else. Oh, one of the other things I want to point out real quick was when it came to that privacy, uh, they reiterated that they don't look at the content of our messages between each other to then use that information about us to service ads. And they not they and they will continue to not do so. So that's good to that's good to hear, especially when they have privacy it. concerns. I don't know I, if I believe it because I don't honestly, know. Yes, I agree. Zuckerberg has said we don't do a lot of things that he ended up finding <laughs> that we end up later finding out that they do. Right. So, yeah. Do you believe it? I don't blame you if you think he's lying um, because and maybe they don't do it now, but maybe they did it last month. Who did. knows? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's true. As, as of this statement, they they have stopped doing it and they won't do it anymore. But that doesn't mean right. we yeah. didn't used to do it. Or you gonna say Who knows? I, I said that yeah, they did say that they are bringing uh, WhatsApp's end-to-end encryption to their other messaging services. So I think that's where they're probably going to. But I still see ads related to things I talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. I get so many ads about cookies. So. <laughs> yeah, and look, I mean. I, I, I mean, I've had private conversations about Facebook with people that are, I'm not going to mention, but they were very concerned about having that private conversation in Messenger and we needed to take it to voice because they were yeah. convinced, and these are people that everyone knows, they were convinced that Facebook is monitoring those messages. So oh, they absolutely um, are. Yeah. I'm sure they were. I don't know if they are anymore. Um, <laughs> I would imagine only the FBI probably knows if they truly have records of those conversations. Um right. But the, the main concern that the, the marketer and the investors were concerned about is that if those messages are encrypted, it will be impossible for Facebook to read those messages. And what Mark Zuckerberg was trying to say is, since we don't read that content anyways, encrypting it will have no negative impact on our financials. So that's yeah. good to hear. Yes. I can't wait till they encrypt it. Yeah. It's a good start. Uh, let's hope that they do what they say they're going to do. Uh Obviously, they've got a lot more to say, by the way, next week when it comes to Facebook. I am I will not be surprised if we don't hear a lot more about privacy and stories specifically next week amongst a lot of other things. And again, like I said, we're going to have Mari Smith back next week to talk specifically. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an all F8 show next week, to be honest. So oh, yeah. uh, come back then. And then, Mike, you're coming back in two weeks to talk about the social media what, what's the proper name of it? It's the social, social media industry. 11th, 11th annual social media marketing industry uh, report. And um, before I go there, some things for you all to watch for in the F8 conference are going to be obviously virtual reality and augmented reality announcements because last year that was the primary focus. Remember, this is a developer conference, right? So these are the techies, right? These are the, the people that are actually developing products around Facebook. And there isn't a lot of development within, within the Facebook platform anymore, right? Because it's kind of a closed platform. So I think you're going to see heavy focus on AR and VR related products. Um, you're probably going to hear about bots, right? Because it's one of the platforms that uh, is very developer focused. So don't be surprised if there's a lot of new announcements related to bots, um, and I also think that there may be some releases related to stories um, and new ad functions, because if I'm not mistaken, when I was reading the transcript, Mark Zuckerberg hinted that that was going to be coming. I don't expect any major surprises, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, 
But if there are, I'm open to it, but I'm just not expecting anything major. I think it's just going to be more of the same. Yeah. Um, I don't think we had any major surprises last year either. It was more iterations on what we already kind of knew about. But And if I can say, I am a little disappointed that there hasn't been more innovation coming from Facebook. I feel like... I feel like prior to 2018, Facebook was innovating so much, which was creating so much innovation from its competition. And it was creating this incredible uh, opportunity where all boats were rising. And since Facebook has been encumbered with billions of dollars in debt and legal battles and likely going to be multi-billion dollar fines coming from United States government here in the next couple of weeks, um, it's distracted the company. And as a result, it's not innovated nearly as much as it could. I'm hopeful that we will see some of that innovation coming in the next few days, but I'm not overly optimistic. Um, But I'm very, very hopeful. I've been hearing rumors for a long time that something radical is coming. And outside of possibly it being broken up by the United States government, I just don't know what that is. And I haven't seen any evidence that something big is coming, but, but pay attention. There could be something big coming. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, before we let you go, I'd love to get your quick pitch for the Social Media Marketing Society. Well, as you guys are We've hearing been doing today, this for, yeah, yeah as, you, as you guys are hearing today, this is a uh, world of change, right? The whole idea that we need to get into stories, that everything is moving to privacy is upending so much of our marketing plans, right? And it, and everything that we did two years ago doesn't work anymore. So if you find yourself with diminishing returns in your marketing and you're perplexed as to why things are and are not working, consider joining a community where this is all we talk about. Every single month, we bring on experts to train three times a month in workshop style. We have live office hours where people like that are here right now talk through these kinds of issues. We have a very active Facebook group where thousands of other marketers kind of debate and talk about what's going on and support each other. If that is something that's of interest to you, the investment is only 70 bucks a month and you can save a lot more money on that if you decide to invest in an annual membership. That I think is a smart return on investment um, because this world, it is changing. And I can assure you, if you do not change, it will change you. So that's my pitch. Where's What's the URL, Eric? Socialmediasociety.info. There you go. Yeah, I could have said it better myself. That's why I wanted to let you do it one time. Thank so. You. But uh, we'll have you back in a couple of weeks, Mike, and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye, Mike. Thank you. All right. Great time. Uh, Great segment. Yeah. Great stuff. Lots of stuff. Again, like we kind of kept hinting at, we've got two more big shows coming up. But before we get to that, let's finish out this one by going over some of the, quote, more minor news, although this is still important stuff. So let's wrap this up. Uh, This one's pretty cool. This is also Messenger and Facebook related as well. Yeah. So again, Facebook and Facebook and mess- Facebook and Instagram, Facebook and Instagram. So the first one is Facebook is killing off messenger codes in August of 2019. So in a few months. So starting August 15th, the messenger camera will no longer support the scanning of messenger codes. Instead, Facebook is recommending that businesses take advantage of smartphones, native capabilities to scan QR codes with the m.me link as a lightweight and efficient solution to this. So, the uh, messenger codes were launched three years ago. It was supposed to, it, they look like little circle with the squigglies or whatever. And so they were an easy way for users to start a conversation with, with each other or for businesses to um, tell people where to find them on messenger without having to search. Because sometimes, you know, 
business names get mixed up or they get confused that you could scan it and uh, your user, uh, your customers could scan it and get exactly to your business. So of course, this was an attractive thing for marketing materials like business cards and posters, leaflets, that kind of stuff. And so they're giving uh, businesses an opportunity to change their materials before the August 15th deadline. So yeah. And again, yeah. they're not saying you cannot do that ease of use jumping into a messenger conversation moving forward. Yeah. They're right. just not going to be providing messenger unique QR codes. You can still create yeah. QR codes with your yeah. m.me messenger direct link to your uh, messenger profile. So right. don't be discouraged, right. even though it feels like they're taking something away. It's not really going away. It's just there's some more of it. Anyways. Uh, right. Well, it sounds, like, they, it sounds like the M.me is more efficient anyway. So it'll, yeah, be, so. it'll be better. It'll and, be better. And again, right? phones phones these days have the native capability built in. So it really doesn't matter as much. So, uh, right. but then as they taketh, they also giveth. And Instagram uh, is adding in quiz stickers for stories. And uh, with all the talk again about stories earlier, quiz stickers is probably a really great way coming up now to be able to create more interactivity much like right. the poll stickers, this is uh, where you would, you know, say, you know, pick left or pick right, and you tap one as you're going through Instagram stories. Same concept, but with multiple choice, and you can put it. I mean, you you can even do bare bones and just say which. I've seen the examples they've given. Which emojis best, you know, describe myself? And you put a list of emojis in each of the things, and then they tap the choices. This is a right. great way to do like listener polls or blog mm -hmm. reader polls, all these different kinds. I mean, I'm saying polls, but it's, they, they call it quiz stickers. So. Again, well, they're multiple choice multiple questions. Choice. So you, right, could, exactly. yeah, you could do up to four and customize them and then uh, people will can vote or, and then you can scroll up to see who answered what, or, you know, it's, it's fun to see how well they might know your brand. And I mean, there's a lot of, I was just brainstorming, brainstorming through different opportunities you uh, businesses could do, but it's just a new way to do this. And they, um, they previewed this in February, so I think we've seen some of this. And so they and this will join polls, location, and there's one other thing that they've rolled out in the past. Anyway, so it's just a new way to uh, yeah. interact with your uh, with your um, with your audience. Yeah. Uh, in other Instagram news, Instagram is considering getting rid of some of the vanity metrics that you're very much used to. And that's not to say they're getting rid of them. They're just going to hide them from being public, which, again, this is one of those things where if it's not there, does it really matter? You know, right. I don't well, know. For me as a marketer, my opinion is, and we're talking about the likes here specifically and also follower count, those two main vanity metrics on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But and this is just likes. This is just, just likes. Li this one's just likes, yes. Just uh, likes. But I personally will still want to know for the sake of tracking data in terms of engagement on my Instagram right. post as a business, how right. many likes something got versus the lower number that this one got. It's an easy, you know, if I don't have a count, how am I supposed right. to do that? Well, they're not taking that away. It's just the no. public ability to see that. Right, and, right. And officially, they're not saying they're taking it away. They're considering no. it. So Yeah, so credit where credit's due. This was uh, a feature discovered by Jane Manchin Wong, who 
is a, a tech researcher who uncovers a lot of these social media features that do end up going public, right? So this was found in Instagram's Android code. And Instagram did confirm to TechCrunch that this is something they're definitely working on. It's it's an internal test, not available to the public. So it, it like you said, Eric, it's, it's a maybe, right? And the reasoning for it is that they're looking to reduce a sense of competition since the idea is that, and, and let's step back to, is that <laughs> I can see my likes, right? Like I will be, yeah. like me as a user or me as an account on Instagram can see my likes, but you, Eric, can't see my likes. So therefore, this is to help you not feel so bad that I am so popular. Why <laughs> did Grace so get so many more likes on her <laughs> pictures of the same event I was at with her than mine is what you're saying, right? <laughs> the sad thing is, is it was a picture of you. So you're just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. I, I, don't I guess know. they I just don't like, know. they like how you took the picture more. Anyway, well, the I, hypo- I, my, my, caption, my, my caption game is strong. So, you there, know. That's true. And your hashtag game. That's my, what happened. My hashtag game. Let's, let's put it. Yes. Um, we're just kidding. I... I don't have that. But so that anyway. Right, but but again, that gets right to the point I was trying to make is as marketers, we still want to know if right. our hashtag or our uh, caption game is strong. And one of the ways to know is behind the scenes, if we can still see uh, mm-hmm. the like differences between two different photos, but different hashtags, you know, anyway. I'm, this I'm, is just one of those digital wellness things. They want to make sure that everyone feels safe and cozy and comfortable on the site, I guess. So sure. I don't know. We'll see if this rolls out. I mean, again, it's just a test. Uh, you know, thank you, they, <laughs> thank you, Instagram, for thinking of me so that I don't go to your service with the mindset of comparing myself to others. Right. Well, there are a lot of. I saw uh, a lot of articles this week about how uh, there are a lot of influencers that are really upset about this change. So I'm. Yeah. I, I'm sure they are. I we'll will be see. too. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, with that, that is the show for now, but we will be back next week. Like we said, next week, we will be back talking all about F8 and what was announced and what it means for marketers with our guest, Mari Smith. The week after we will have the industry report breakdown with returning guest, Michael Stelzner. And, uh, by the way, everything we mentioned in this episode, you can find on Social Media Examiner at socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. That's where the show notes are. And I want to say thank you, Grace, for doing a great job as producer and co-host. Thank you, Eric, for being an excellent host and handling the simulcast. And thank you again to Mike for being an excellent guest and CEO and founder of our company. Yes. And I do want to make sure to, to mention that Jeff is handling simulcasts today. Oh. So also, he does a oh. great job too. Thank you, Jeff. And oh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff. Sorry, I have yeah. it in the notes that you're. Yes, Jeff. Thank you for handling the simulcast. So, and again, those two shows we've got upcoming that we mentioned. Get them on your calendar by going to socialmediaexaminer.com/slash/live/show, and we will see you next week. Bye bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.